Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Mike Shope. We were having a very serious conversation about mayonnaise here. And the Bulldog. And don't even talk to me about weed. On WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, glad to have you all with us here on this Friday afternoon. I am the Bulldog. Mike Shope has the day off. Zach Jones and Joe Kelly riding shotgun, and we are very happy to welcome back to the show and back on the Wester Hotline with us, Joe Marino from the Draft Network and Locked On Bills podcast. Joe's been doing a regular thing with our morning guys going back into last year's draft season, so we've kind of left them alone, and we miss you, Joe. We need we needed we needed to touch base, man. I think our audience misses you and uh frankly, not to get weird, I missed you. So thank you for making the time to double dip here this week with us. Of course, and, and anytime. I know that I've been doing a lot with those morning guys, but uh of course, anytime you, you want me to come on, I'd I'd love to do it. So good to be on with you. So how um I don't know, how treacherous a time are the Bills about to encounter here with Edmonds and Poyer maybe at the front of the of the list, top of the list of free agents that you know they could be in line to be losing here. I mean, how how uh, how tough of a time do you think we're in for? It's certainly unsettling to a degree, just because I feel like this is the first off season with Brandon Bean as general manager, where I don't know that I felt super sure about what his plan is going to be. Um, you know, I feel like in years past, he's been a little bit more candid about certain areas on the team that um, he felt were necessary to improve and kind of went out and did those things, whether it was scoring points and trading for Stefan Diggs or coming out and saying that we have to be able to get the quarterback on the ground and making a big move for Von Miller. I'm not sure what the plan is. And for as much as you would think a, a guy like Tremaine Edmonds fits into the draft, develop, resign philosophy that he's preached and, and really executed to this point, you're starting to get some rumblings that maybe Tremaine has played his last game in Buffalo and Jordan Poyer uh, probably on his way out. Some changes with the defensive coaching staff. It just it feels a little unsettled right now, and I'm really fascinated to see what the plan is next week because while it does feel unsettled because we're a little unsure, I don't think he's going to lay down. I think he's going to still want to go out and try to make this football team better, and really uh, surely he's fueled by a fourth consecutive season where – you know, there's a playoff exit, and when certainly the last three years where the expectations were to go a little bit further. So I think Bean's going to come out swinging. I just don't know what those punches are going to be. Right, yeah. I mean, the, the Poyer thing, Joe, um, you know, it, 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 it feels very much to me like if they were going to get something done with him, that would have happened 
I don't know, last August even, right? Or at any point between then and now, I feel like, you know, and, and, and look, I, I made the case at his age, the kind of money that he might command on the open market, like he wants to go test that. I get that. I, I wouldn't have wanted to commit, like, say, the Harrison Smith contract to Boyer last summer. I don't know if that would have been good business. But what you're left with is now struggling maybe to find a replacement for him who's played at a very high level and prior to this year played almost all the games and, you know, compounded by the uncertainty around DeMar Hamlin, who was, you know, like a Hyde's replacement, but certainly could have been counted on as a Poyer replacement moving forward, I think. Um, and we don't know where that's going to land. So, I don't know, do, do you think they've made the right call in not prioritizing a Poyer extension prior to now? I understand it for sure. I think we could all admire the tenure that Jordan Poyer had for the Buffalo Bills and what he's brought to this defense, this team, the city since 2017. I think he's certainly a player that feels like everyone's fond of, and and that's pretty rare, right, to to be in a town that long, to to have so many people that are just really respect you. Um, And so that's hard to say goodbye to. But at the same time, you understand it, given positional value, the price tag, the age, the injuries, right? I mean, uh, two different elbow injuries, a a a rib injury that kept him from flying, a foot injury, a concussion. That's a lot for an age 32 safety. And, you know, what's interesting about this entire Bills uh, football team, when you think about this life cycle, and and certainly we know that in the NFL it's not designed to keep everyone, right? There's there's always going to be some players that you have to say goodbye to. But I, I feel like until this point, there hasn't been those really hard losses, you know, like uh, Harrison Phillips gets away, you know, like that, that's, that's not Edmonds. That's not Poyer. Right. So uh, this could be that first time where you really feel like, Oh wow. Yeah. The salary cap is real. They couldn't bring everyone back. And then on top of that, you kind of lean into, okay, well, what does the, what does this mean for other opportunities? If you don't commit the money to Poyer and or Hyde, what opportunities that does that present for you to get the replacements that are certainly going to be cheaper, but then also kind of filling your roster out in other areas. So there's some, some interesting pivots that are, that I anticipate coming along the way. Yeah. And they, I, you know, they would know better than we would on the outside, Joe. Um, but Mike and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Um, like Hyde, I, I know you, you might be inclined to feel optimistic about him returning because there was talk of him getting back on the field that they had beaten the Bengals um, and, and playing in the playoffs. But, you know, that was a serious injury, and you've got an off season for him to kind of ponder his future. And, like, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder where that stands. Like I said, I, I think they would know, certainly with more certainty, how that's tracking. But I don't know that we should just lock hide in considering the seriousness of that injury well you know it feels like everybody wants to talk about offense and getting more offensive line help and more firepower in the weaponry for josh allen and i certainly understand that but as this this new league year approaches i find myself becoming a little bit concerned about the defense and whether that's you know leslie leslie frazier resigning uh, or yeah i guess that's probably the right word i mean mm-hmm. stepping away for a season um and I know that a lot of people think that that could uh, lead to some better results. And I, I certainly have my concerns about the last four playoff exits and Leslie Frazier's role in them. Uh, but you still have some uncertainty there. And, and then you think about three of your top four players on defense, um, all sort of aging and all coming off significant injuries, right? Von Miller, 33, coming off of an ACL tear. Of course, what prompted this conversation was Micah Hyde, who's 32, coming off of a neck fusion. And then Trey White, who's still trying to prove himself as – 
healthy at 28 years old coming off of an ACL tear. Meanwhile, Matt Milano's the other guy that I think you would comfortably say those are three of your top four players on defense. So there's just some uncertainty there, and maybe it's time for that. Maybe it's time for some turnover. Maybe some of that nucleus has run its course. But this is quickly looking like a defense that's aging, and you wish that you felt better about some of the younger talent being able to really uh, step up and be that next wave of, of core nucleus players on the defensive side of the football. Meanwhile, all the stuff that we haven't even got to about the offense. Right, which hopefully we will get to, because I, I gotta, I gotta get to the Edmonds question with you, Joe Marino, on the Western Hotline, uh, with me here on WGR, Joe, Locked On Bills podcast and the Draft Network. Um, where do you come down at Edmonds and value? I mean, I, I would certainly like to see the Bills retain this player, but I'm also not interested in seeing them tie up 27 or 28 million dollars in two linebackers with Milano already signed. So there, there's a riddle for you. <laughs> what do you do? Well, I think that's the reality of the situation. If you want Tremaine Edmonds back, you're looking at, I would guess, on the very low end, $15 million a season. But I think it's going to push for 20 I really do. I think you're probably looking more in the 18 to 20 range. And you, start, you have to ask yourself that question. Do you want a linebacker pair that you know, pushes $30 million a season? Um, that's a fair question to ask. And so, like, as you consider that Tremaine Edmonds is a young player that was the second-ever draft pick that Brandon Bean never made. He traded up to get him in the first round. Uh, he's been a five-year starter for you, a four-year captain, a two-time pro bowler. Certainly played his best football this past season. Even the biggest of, uh, of uh, people who don't care for Tremaine Edmonds would acknowledge this was his best season. Um, and he's been a lot to your team. And he's been the middle linebacker for some really good defenses over the last five seasons. And – at entering his age 25 season, you feel like there's just still a whole lot there to work with. And so saying goodbye to that player, it, it certainly it certainly would sting. But then there is that, you know, you, you kind of have to make the business decision and, and ask yourself, well, is it smart to have $30 million a year tied up in two linebackers? And in today's NFL, um, you know, that's certainly not um, an avenue that most teams would want to go down. Yeah, I I felt like, and and this might sort of dovetail into something you just mentioned, which is young guys ready to step in. The way that they were talking, and and Leslie Frazier is the one who comes to mind, who you've already touched on, him him taking a a leave of absence and he's not going to be a part of the staff moving forward. Last summer, hearing him specifically talk about Terrell Bernard, I thought, boy, like a light went on when I heard him talking about his instincts and just how how bullish they were on this player they had drafted in the third round, I thought, well, that's it. He's 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 a starter next year in place of one of – they're going to have to make a choice. Like, they could get out from under Milano if they wanted to and keep Edmonds or let Edmonds walk. Either way, you're plugging Bernard in, and, boy, his rookie season just did not – it wasn't encouraging. It doesn't mean it's dismissed as an idea – but it's a lot harder, I think, to just sort of lean on. There's my replacement for Edmonds or or Milano if you were to choose, you know, one over the other. Well, I, you know, I think what's what's fascinating here. There's a lot of layers to my journey with Terrell Bernard, and, and I certainly evaluated him coming out of of Baylor, um, and I, I, I didn't value him in the third round. I thought he was worth a, a later pick. Um, and then when the Bills drafted him in the third round, I thought to myself, this feels a lot more like a Milano replacement than an Edmonds replacement. Meanwhile, Milano is the one that's locked up, and Edmonds is on the expiring contract. But then I think when you look at the trajectory of Terrell Bernard's rookie year, I, I, you should be concerned. 
he gets the chance to start uh, the Jets game, right? Uh, the, the Bills lost that game, and if you remember all those passes to the middle of the field from Zach Wilson, of all people, completing those passes, and then Michael Carter looking like Barry Sanders there at the end of that game, the Bills wind up losing. And I think a lot of that's probably on Jaquan Johnson, too, as the guy that had to fill in at safety in that game. But Terrell Bernard getting the start and playing nearly 100% of the snaps, I think that contributed as well. So then what happens for the Lions game? This, to me, is where it really gets telling. When they had another opportunity where they had to be without Tremaine Edmonds, they chose to play A.J. Klein, who they signed off the street, instead of Terrell Bernard, who gave them an entire game worth of experience. And then you get to the playoffs, and Terrell Bernard's a healthy scratch. And so that trajectory is not very encouraging to me, especially when I couple it with the player that I evaluated at Baylor and really thinking about him as a true read-to-react downhill player and what his coverage instincts are. I, I have massive concerns if the Bills plan at middle linebacker to replace Jermaine Evans as Terrell Bernard. Yeah, I would think that he would be someone who they would want to have in the mix. But I don't think you can you can just say that that's our that's our starter. Like I I would think they have to go find if they indeed lose Edmonds. And I don't know. Do you have a, a read at this point, Joe, on what sort of options there might be there on the free agent market if they want to go that route in advance of the draft? I'm sure there are linebackers in the draft they could they could you know feel comfortable about uh, to some extent. But are there I don't know is is there a decent moderately priced free agent linebacker idea that you like if they end up being priced out of the Edmonds market? I think the good thing about linebacker and safety is that there's a good mix of free agents. There's a good mix of draft talent. And at linebacker specifically, there's this group of veterans that intrigue me that includes Eric Kendricks, Bobby Wagner, and Levante David. And I think all three of those players would be cheaper than Tremaine Edmonds. Now, certainly not as much of a long-term answer, uh, but a, a really worthy one, two-year player. Mm-hmm. And then there's some younger guys that I like as well, whether that's David Long from the Tennessee Titans, who I think is a very instinctive player that's good in coverage and can play downhill, very slippery through contact. And Bobby Okereke from the Colts, who I think you know, 35-inch arms, has a lot of range. I really like, I really like his trajectory and what he could do in terms of replicating some of the range and length that you enjoyed by having Tremaine Edmonds. Then there's like a Devin Bush who, you know, really a former first-round pick. The Steelers traded up to get him, I think, around pick number 10 and looked really good early in his career, had an ACL tear, didn't quite come back the same. You know, I feel like maybe he's a possibility as a one-year flyer. You think about Alex Anzalone from the, from the, the, uh, the Lions, and, and there's a lot to like there. I, I think there's a good mix of if you want to go in on an expensive veteran, you want to get an up-and-comer, you want to go with more of a mid-level experienced guy – they're going to have options, um, but you know, I, I don't know that any one of them is a clean projection uh, to replace Tremaine Evans and do everything that he did, given a base nickel defense and all the real estate he was responsible for in coverage and playing downhill. Yeah, I like the veteran stopgap idea, maybe, like you mentioned Kendricks and Bobby Wagner, and I don't know, we'll see about cost on those guys because uh, there's a, obviously a limit to, to what you'd want to do there to replace a guy that you're deciding you can't afford to pay. Um, but I, I like it because it wouldn't necessarily close the door on Bernard moving forward. And given that you invested a third-round pick there, I, I, I'd want to leave room for if he were to emerge – here over the course of the summer and into the season, not so much that he could supplant, say, a Bobby Wagner or a Kendricks if he went out and signed that guy, but that that guy is sort of a stopgap, like you said, and then I've got 
a third-round pick on a rookie contract still that I can plug in there to replace the, the veteran when he ages out. I, I, I might like that, you know, ideal scenario-wise as, uh, as an approach for the Bills. What do you think of that? Well, I, 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 I could buy into that as well. Um, you feel like you know what you're getting for a year or maybe two or whatnot, and you still have Bernard. Like you said there, like him or not, he's a third-round pick. And, and if there's something that I would cling to for positivity as it relates to Terrell Bernard is one of the things that Sean McDermott uh, made known a few times since drafting Bernard and answering questions about Bernard is what really fueled that draft pick was his relationship with Baylor head coach Dave Aranda, who's renowned for his defensive pedigree. You'd like to think that there was some pretty good intel exchange there about what type of player he is and uh, what type of projection he can have at the next level. You know, am I convinced? No. But I think if you're looking for some of those positives, that's certainly what I'd be clinging to. One more thing on defense. Um, you, you obviously would have paid attention to, to um, Christian uh, Benford when he was coming out. Sixth-round pick, kind of a surprise story. Ended up, you know, playing a role on this defense that maybe was, you know, larger than was expected given his draft status. Now this offseason, there's been some talk, although I think McDermott might have threw some cold water on it talking about him staying at corner for now, but some talk about Benford moving to safety. Do you see that projection as as being a good idea? Yeah, I do. Uh, This is something that I said when I did my reactionary podcast right after they picked Christian Benford, I I said, I think the play here could be him eventually getting to safety, uh, knowing that the Bills really value safeties that have a corner background. Um, And so whether that's a Villanova or one year uh, as a rookie with the Bills playing corner where, you know, like you mentioned, got a lot more playing time than we probably anticipated as a six-round pick out of Villanova. Um, And so that probably equips him well uh, to make the transition, having that, that corner background, but I think also he's a physical player, and that matters at safety, right? You've got to be able to tackle and, and, and fit and play downhill, which he does do, but he's also got really good ball skills. Uh, we saw some of that as a rookie, but going back to Villanova, just a lot of volume when it comes to ball production, interceptions, pass breakups, and um, obviously he's been able to win the, the coaching staff over. I mean, for him as a six-round pick, to start the first few games until he was injured over their first-round pick, Guy Elam, yeah. I mean – that says a lot about the way the coaching staff use him. And so I don't know that you can go into it with your, all your eggs in the basket of Christian Benford being that starter opposite of Micah Hyde. But I think him being in the mix is something that perks me up and gets me intrigued because otherwise what's the path for him to be on the field, special teams and playing backup role to Elam and White. On the offensive side of the ball, Joe, we've gobbled up almost this entire segment talking about defense, which is fine. You, you, you sort of let off saying, you know, everybody talks about the offense and you're worried about the defense. So we devoted a lot of time to that side of the ball. Running back, Singletary is a free agent. Um, Cook flashed some. They've got a big contract to Naheem Hines. Uh, what's the way forward at running back that you uh, prefer? Well, I think uh, James Cook – James Cook is a player in the Buffalo Bills that I think from week one to the end of the year showed the most in-season growth last year. Um, And it's motivated me to believe that he can be the lead back for the Bills. And and that's lead back for the Bills, not like a normal, traditional 20, 25-touch-a-game guy, but for the Bills in the way that they use the running backs, he can be the lead guy. But what they do need to do is two things. First of all, there's no way that Naheem Hines – can play under this current contract that he has. Uh, there's no guaranteed money left on the deal whatsoever. 
And right now the Bills are on the hook for nearly $5 million next year and $5.5 million the following year. That's not a world you can live in. He has to come back on a reduced deal, and I think that will happen. I think there's just common sense there. And then what I think you really need to add to this backfield is a physical downhill presence that gives you short yardage ability because you don't get that in Hines or Cook. That's not really going to be their game. Those guys are more spread runners. You, you, know, you want that true between-the-tackles guy that can give you some value on special teams, that can give you some value in pass protection. So there, there's, some, there's a lot to like about Hines and Cook and the playmaking ability that they have, but in terms of providing all the skill necessary for the backfield from a short yardage perspective, from a grinding out tough yardage late in the game perspective, uh, like we mentioned, pass protection, like you need that player still. And so whether that's a veteran or a mid-round draft pick, I think the Bills need to get a, a complimentary physical downhill back to add to this backfield. And at receiver, Joe, I have been saying since they lost to the Chiefs in the AFC title game at the end of the 20 season, like it stood out to me that day against the Chiefs, and it has still stood out to me as, as prolific as this offense has been. I feel like they are lacking like real speed. And so I wonder at receiver, like just Paris Campbell is a name that's come up, and that, that's a really fast guy who's kind of been derailed by injury, slot yeah. guy that might be a real fit. I don't know. What, what, what do you think of just – I don't want to just search for one trait, but I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you, do you think they are lacking speed? Because I feel like they are. I would agree, uh, especially, you know, Josh Allen, obviously big-arm quarterback, can push the ball down the field, very good vertical passer. We certainly saw Ken Dorsey's appetite for the deep ball last year. Um, and doing that absent of a guy that can just run by people is pretty tough, right? You're really relying on route concepts, uh, receivers to be able to stack and get on top of corners and maintain vertical leverage, right? It's tough It's tough to win down the field when you just can't simply outrun people. Uh, so I think that would absolutely be a boost uh, to the Bills' offense and something that's missing, and I, I would align with you there. I would also say that they're missing a slot player. Um, and that middle of the field, route running, ability to beat zone coverage, process coverage rotation on the fly, and just be available when Josh Allen needs to stay on schedule, I think he was missing that as much as anything this year. And, you know, maybe a healthy Jamison Crowder changes that. But that was also risky. I mean, Jamison Crowder should always hurt. So you go into the year with Isaiah McKenzie, who's never proven himself as a consistent slot player, and a Jamison Crowder, who is exactly the skill set you need in that role, but he's always hurt, and guess what? He was hurt again. So I think that slot piece is, is as important to me as the, the, the speed piece that you're talking about. Ideally, you could find both. We didn't get to interior offensive line or, or right tackle even with Spencer Brown's struggles last year, but that I guess we'll have to wait for another day or one of your morning show appearances, Joe. Uh, thank you for making the time today. Really appreciate it, and really glad that you're sort of in, in the regular rotation, albeit on a show that's not mine, but still, like that you're a regular on the station, Joe. Admire the work, always have. Okay, guys, I really appreciate it. Enjoy talking with you, and hope we can do it again soon. All right, that is Joe Marino again, the Draft Network and the Lockdown Bills podcast. I think Wednesday mornings are his regular shot with uh, Jeremy and Joe on our morning show here on WGR. We'll keep going on the football track. Our Sal Capaccio has been doing uh, a series of installments on the state of the Bills, and today's installment is on the defensive tackles. So we get to run down on that as well as kind of set the stage for uh, – the tampering period in free agency, which begins on Monday, and then actual free agency, which hits on Wednesday. That is straight ahead. 
Along with Zach Jones and Joe Kelly, I am the Bulldog, and you're listening to W. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.